Welcome. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your host, Matt Olson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to this. We are This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. I am your host, Matt Olson. Next to me, we have Danny Oakshead. What's up? Who's not your host? Who is not that I am not. He is not our host. <laughs> not a host. I'm a co-host. <laughs> and then to the other side of me, we have the jankiest of the janky boggles. Who's also not a host. <laughs> but is a co-host. I'm just here for the commentary, man. I just I'm just a bum that came in off the street. You're a boggle that came in off the street. Yeah, my pack of Senecas. <laughs> Fuck. This is episode 34. Almost missed it, but I added it. Here we are. <laughs> Finally. As always with our episodes, we're going to talk about the quick event results that happened this last weekend, especially for the MTG M- Magic Fest Online. Then we're going to talk about some ban and update results. Get into the meat and potatoes, the news. After that, we're going to hit up the finance section and then close off with a deck of the week. So how about we just jump right on into this then? This last weekend's result for the Mythic Championships on MTGO was won by Jeremy Ramsey, also known as Jammernaut. He took it away with his odd Rakdos having a companion in the sideboard of Obosh, the Prey Piercer. And that has, your whole deck has to have odd converted mana costs and lands in there. And this is just the typical Rakdos sacrifice deck. You got the Witch's Oven, Cauldron Familiar, and the Serrated Scorpion is the new card that has been added into the deck from this set. So congratulations to James. I think that's the first time we ever clapped for somebody who won a, a an event. Because he had a clever deck name. Odd Rakdos. <laughs> that's clever? Kind of is, because Rakdos, when I played, was just fast beat your face. Odd Rakdos is, is a clever you, name? You didn't hear the sarcasm in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> I can't at this moment, JB. You've been throwing shit everywhere this evening. Well, he's a boggle. What do you expect? I can't, I can't get a read on you at the moment. <laughs> With that, Season 2 of Magic Fest Online is kicked off right now at this moment. We're going to talk about a couple of events and stuff that are also happening. But first, we have some banned and restricted announcements. That we do. So those who like to play Magic Online, your Garuda is now officially unbanned. The bugs have been fixed. Moving along with bans and restrictions, we oh, have. Oh come a- on! You gotta read. <laughs> you gotta read the text. No, we gotta doom some depths here, bro. No, we don't. <laughs> that was all we had to talk about, and we're moving ahead. <laughs> God damn it! You're no fun. On Magic Online Twitter page is when they announced this quote: "Attention, Garuda fans! Even now, your favorite companion has <laughs> has been returned." To the formats from which it was banned, we invite you to doom as many depths as you wish. <laughs> Give the, it to us, JB. The reply, the reply is the best. For anyone who's 13 years or younger. <laughs> Weebler. <laughs> Fun fact. When this got posted, none of these responses were on there right away. But Danny just opened up the page on his computer. And he keeps opening it up. I mean, that's the best part. The second response. <laughs> just trying to get my pages open. <laughs> what, are they stuck together? <laughs> From the oldest guy in this room. Has the most immature mind of all three of us. Doesn't the oldest people typically do? <laughs> I know so many dirty old men that say shit. It's like, how the fuck are you fine with saying this? You're like 80 years old. Yes. They, they've, hey. they've lived long enough to hey. be able to do that. I worked with an old guy at a quick lube that told me he used to trade sandwiches for sex in Vietnam, okay? Quick lube. Is that what the kids call it in those days? 
<laughs> I mean, the oil machine did only give two pumps for a quart. Okay, so back to the reply on it. So when Danny opened up the page, all I saw on his computer was this big picture of an anime girl that has a comment that says, this is a little explicit, but we're an explicit podcast, so be prepared. The picture is of an anime girl in a top, like a bikini top, that says, you are cordially invited to fuck my ass. And the comment above is like, quote, we invite you to doom as many depths as you wish is the new insert the picture where it's like you're cordially invited to fuck my ass best part is is in parentheses above this it says modified due to pro feedback so it really makes me wonder what it was modified from yeah the guy changes uh his uh display name to modified due to pro feedback it's hilarious links in the description go check it out it was too hilarious we were losing our minds before we started recording <laughs> yeah and apparently danny's pages got stuck together <laughs> i just trying to open the page <laughs> Take us away, Dan. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry you had to listen to those two fools. <laughs> you schmucks with mics. We have a band in Oathbreaker. Uh, the new card that is banned is Dark Ritual. Those who don't know what Dark Ritual is, it's a one black instant speed. Add three black mana to your mana pool. So does this mean Wizard is officially recognizing Oathbreaker now? No, this is just Oathbreaker themselves making the the BNR. They're the ones in charge of the BNR, uh, which is uh, the same people that work with Magic Kids. Uh, they're weird cards. Yeah, Oathbreaker isn't technically part of Wizards. I was going to yeah. say, I didn't think Umbrella. it was a sanctioned format yet. No, no it's not sanctioned. It's not. But it's notable to anybody who plays Oathbreaker. They're uh, a format that was very well received, uh, created by Weird Cards Charitable Club. And they're also the uh, parent company to Magic Kids. And with this band, they're talking about it's super oppressive, like with a Liliana the Fail small box combination of Liliana as your general with small box as your signature spell, being able to drop that turn one and mm-hmm. just really. Basically. And they've also announced that uh, their next band list update will be July 10th. A so couple of things they're keeping an eye out for with this is Gifts Ungiven. They say that uh, though a powerful enabler does not happen at a speed that greatly concerns us, we expect to have a final answer on this card by the next announcement. So Matt, what's next so on we're gonna, the list? We're going to change it up from Blogatog of the Week this week to reading an email. <gasps> oh! We have an email. Wait, when did we get this well, email? Yeah, when did this email come in, Matt? <clears throat> March 12th. What day? March 12th. Wait, what di- what what day is it today? April 27th. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, Matt? Was it in the vault? <laughs> had to go down to the doom. <laughs> you had to go into had to the depths. <laughs> the depths have been doomed. <laughs> <laughs> You're cordially invited to fuck my ass. So neither Danny or JP have seen this email. So this is going to be something that we're going to do whenever we get emails. And I if we check it in a timely manner, Matt. If me or JP had the email, we would have saw it. Yeah. What have you guys? You don't, yes. You don't even yes. look at the show notes. I read them. <laughs> don't say that. I do. <laughs> Just doesn't happen to be an hour before the show. Exactly. I added shit today, so I read it briefly. So and plus, we went over all these yesterday. Yeah. This is going to be a thing where if we get emails, we'll swap it out with Blogatog of the Week to try and like fit it in. So send us your emails, please. Give Matt something to do. So Matt can look at them a month later. Yes. We'll get to them. month and a half later. We have an email from Anonymous. They were like, hi, this week in MTG. I have a question about Janky Boggle. Oxford Dictionary defines janky as of extreme of extremely poor or unreliable quality, and Webster's Dictionary defines it as not stylish, unfashionable. Listening to the channel gives me the impression that him and his decks are the opposite. Is this supposed to be ironic, like calling a fat guy slim? 
Further MTG on on the MTG wiki for MTG slang, jank is a card or deck that does not appear to be very good, often with regards to consistency. Also, a janky card. Does his deck seem to be not very good at first or is inconsistent? I'm a new listener to your channel and would like to see his Boggles deck list. I'm also interested in other decks you guys play. Perhaps you can mention it on the show or direct me to an episode or webpage where you have, dis- dis- where you have discussed it. TLDR. For my experience, MTG jank decks aren't good, but are for fun or are interesting. JB's decks sound like a honed modern deck, but I could be wrong and would like to know more. Thank you for your time. Anonymous. Okay, let's let's go over that question by question. What was his first question? <laughs> or his first is, point? Is uh is JB's name supposed to be ironic? Like calling a fat guy slim. I mean, maybe. And, <laughs> Most of the shit I come up with is pretty janky, so <laughs> <laughs> the consistency isn't quite there all the time. <laughs> I was thinking maybe the next point. What was the next little statement? Oh, oh, the next the next question then was: Does his deck seem to be not very good at first, or is inconsistent? Initially, his decks at first they were inconsistent. He's he's starting to fine tune them, but he definitely has the idea of making a janky deck, then try to hone in on it. Exactly. You start out with shit, and then you shine it, and then it becomes shiny shit. The turd nugget. Exactly. Golden crusted. What was the next question? Uh, that was pretty much it. He was asking if we could direct him to an episode or webpage where we have discussed some of his pretty decks. pretty sure there's other little points we said in that. I mean, we did. there was an episode where we did go over my boggle deck. I think that I think I've made some changes since then, but yeah, the, you the, have. The, the main core is still there. I hope we answered your question there. JB, actually, you didn't fully delve in why JB is your name. Janky Boggle. Because I'm a Janky Boggle. That's his signature deck. Yeah. It's what I cut my teeth on competitively. That's why I'm considered burnt, because that is what I specialize in. And you're the blue player, because no one likes you. Yeah, you filthy Grixis player. (laughs) Oh. And that was Blog and Talk of the Week. <laughs> I just figured out a good name for your new deck. Does this look infected to you? Do you know what's funny about that? My commander deck is named that. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Movie on Plasm. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I tried. So from there, let's just jump into these news quickies and bang them out real quick. But <laughs> You just triggered the 13-year-old. <laughs> oh, that's what she said. <laughs> Again, there goes a 13-year-old. <laughs> Pretty quick, I'm ahead. It was up and down just as quick. <laughs> so does my pack of Senecas, damn it. Aquaria Quick Drafts start May 1st, this upcoming Friday, but then uh, currently Core 2020 Quick Drafts are going until then, and those are the best of one. This Friday for Magic Arena. Oh, that was on Magic Arena. This Friday for Magic Arena for the FNM at home is going to be the Artisan. So May 1st, uh, make sure to, when you do the event, post your picture onto your local LGS site, wherever they request for you to be posting it. Then you'll be getting a promo pack, which gives you different skins, avatars, etc., etc. Okay, so for some of us that aren't always uh, in the know here, uh, do you know what Artisan is? To answer your question, JB, Artisan is a Magic Arena-specific constructed format for Magic the Gathering. All cards must be either common or uncommon of rarity. Artisan events may be either standard or historic for those cards. Other than that, the usual rules apply. Of a minimum 60 cards to the deck, 15 cards sideboard, no no more than four copies. So yeah. Okay, so it was what I was thinking then. Common, uncommon. Look at that. So, stuff. make yourselves some decks using those new companion cards. Ooh. Uh, mm. No, you can't. Companions are rares. Are they rares? Yes. Oh, don't use those. Companions. Yeah, because there's only, what, seven of them? It's, it's ten. ten. Ten? I suppose. Yeah, because yeah. they're legendary. Yep, one for each guild. Yep. Yeah. 
Next on the quickies, we have a new code for you guys to be using on Magic Arena. Use FNM at home and you get two free cosmetics. And they could be anything. They could be card styles, avatars, be avatars mm-hmm. sleeves. Yep, sleeves. You can get some pretty cool stuff, unlike Dan- unlike me. Danny, tell us what you got. I you got just entered this in before we started recording. Yep, I got the Tamio avatar and a cosmetic for one card. I can't remember what card it was. Yeah, I just got two cosmetics cards that I never, ever play. It's probably a card I never play either, but... Wait, it's, it's not red. Or white. Or green. No, you only I'm a play part. I'm a Neopart. A player. Play red. <laughs> you burn player. Next on the quickies, we have Channel Fireball with their Magic Fest online on Tuesdays. They're having a deal where it's $10 Tuesdays now. Nice. So when you go to enter into an event online for the MTGO on Tuesday specifically, all day, it's just $10, which saves you 15 bucks from the original $25. And also, if you do have uh, an affiliate link from your LGS, enter that in, they still get a 10% kickback from you entering into those. That's nice. Heck yeah. I'd love to save 15 bucks. Yeah, no kidding. I think it's really cool that they're doing something like this. Good on you. Next, we're going to just quickly skim over. Mana Traders is starting an MTGO series. Oh? Yeah. Uh, Cover this real quickly here. They are, uh, uh, according to their site, ManaTraders.com, the Mana Trader series is the largest payout tournament on MTGO with a $15,000 prize pool each month, 12 months of the year. There's no entry fee. Mana Trader series is free and will always be free. Anyone can join. No affiliation with Mana Traders is required. You just need an MTGO account and your skills. Registration is available till June 1st for the beginning of it. So there is the $15,000 monthly purse that they have for this. This is ridiculous to think about. Uh, it's open to everybody. Top 256 people receive prizes, but then you get a 10x multiplier if you're a Mana Trader user. Oh, yeah. Every month, they're going to be rotating the formats. So the structure is going to be set up like this. There's going to be the preliminary for the first to third week of the month. And then the last week of the month, they're going to go to Swiss. Users will play six rounds of Swiss. Top eight will advance to the final phase. And then Sunday of the fourth week, the top eight will play in a single elimination tournament. And what makes this cool is like the reason for the purse of being, being so big is like, First place wins five grand online if you're a Mana Trader subscriber. Otherwise, you win $500. Still not. All... Why would you complain about winning $500? It's free to enter. Exactly. Yeah. So, top eight players get cash prizes. Eighth place gets 30 bucks or 300 if you're a Mana Trader subscriber. Ninth through 16th, you're going to be getting uh, cash as well, $10 or $100. But then 17th through 256, you get. Uh, non-cashable wallet credit that can be used towards rentals for mana traders. Nice. Just wanted to put this here for anybody that's interested in Magic Online. I know there's several people in the FM area that play Magic Online, uh, specifically Legacy. So be prepared for when Legacy becomes a thing and start dink stomping some people to get that five hundred dollars or five five k if you're. Well, did you see the uh, the the post in our LGS group I, today? I did. For all you legacy people, since we're plugging that. So Big Nix in, is hosting a Legacy Magic Online tournament as well, since we're talking about tournaments here in the quickies. It will be happening Sunday, May 3rd. So this upcoming Sunday, when this episode comes out, you have till Sunday to register. We'll put a link in the description below, so that way you can try and join. It'll uh, be on the... Big Nick's, uh, Big Nick's Discord and its legacy format starts at 12.30 on Sunday. The entry is $10. Uh, this, uh, the store Discord is set up with table numbers. I will post pairings on Discord channels or just say them. Hop in the table you're at and challenge your opponent. Report results to me and we will play it, to, play it out in three or four rounds. Let's see how this works. It's the first online event that Big Nick's is hosting. 
I think it's kind of cool to give that a shot. And it's legacy. One thing about Big Knicks is there's a lot of legacy players. So anybody listening out there, go jump in on this. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't have enough ticks. Otherwise, I would uh, try to make the jump into legacy now because I've been thinking about it for a while. Maybe get a Manitrader's account, rent the legacy deck. Ooh, I could. Well, I could just rent the files because I thought about playing my death and taxes in legacy. Mm, There we go. And with that, that's actually going to close off our news quickies because that was just a little bit longer than what we wanted for a quickie. That's what she said. Unfortunately, on our part, when we reported last week about Secret Lair Godzilla being a thing, it wasn't official through the Secret Lair's Wizards accounts. But now it's official. We were very inconsiderate when we were looking up this report and just like one office speculation said that it was a thing that was going to be happening, though there was no confirmation. We promise you as a podcast, we will do better because our goal is to be your best news aggregate source. And when it comes to stuff like this, when it gets official, we will definitely tell you about it. Until then, we'll just, if anything is like speculation or if it's rumors, we'll note on it, but we won't go into it. But now it's official. And that's on us for saying that it was, a, it, it was coming out last week, though it, it did get talked about. That's on us. It's coming out May 7th with a $30 price tag on those Godzilla cards. See, I can I can see spending thirty dollars on five cards now compared to the three hundred and fifty dollars for five four cards or five cards or whatever it was five five you're yeah not, you're not the only one. Thing is, though, I heard that uh, those were going to the LGSs, the Fetchland ones. Yeah, Fetchlands are going to the LGSs. These ones are so you can buy be, them from the LGS. Still, the Godzilla lands are going to be on the website for 24 yep. hours on the 7th. You have a maximum of 15 per person to be ordering. So they upped it then, because I thought the previous limit was 10. Yes. Look at that. My guess is because they wanted to make sure you could actually get a full deck worth of one color if needed. Oh, that could be. You know, 15 is not running, but still. Yeah, 15 basics, that's a lot. Most I run is 12 basics, and that's in... Death and Taxes, that's my only monocolored deck. And that's just because you don't need extra. Well, I'm running 20 in mine. Or uh, 17, my mono eight deck. That we'll talk about later. A little plug there. Next in the news, for those of you who may have forgot, Magic the Gathering is having a Netflix series coming out that is produced by the Russo brothers, best known for directing the Avengers Endgame movie. They briefly talked about it, saying that the the Magic series is still in the script phase, explaining that the animation has a larger prep period than most things. The update didn't reveal any new story details, but it was previously revealed that it will be mostly focused on the Planeswalkers. Uh, this information was brought to us by Jake Viper from Epic Stream. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited for this. Well, yeah. This is going to be badass. I just hope it's more than eight episodes, like most Netflix originals. Yeah. Even though it's going to be following the Gatewatch. Doesn't specifically say the Gatewatch, just as planes. It'll, it'll be the Gatewatch. Why wouldn't it be? Exactly. Yeah. Because they have it's to beat gonna, that dead horse. It's going to be Jace, Lily, Chandra, Issa, Gideon. Well, you just can't start a Netflix series off of Magic without going first with the Gatewatch. I mean... It's a good inauguration point yeah. for non... Are, weren't they the originals? No. The original, no. Who's original five? Planeswalkers. It was Jace, Chandra, Liliana, Garuk, and Ajani. Not Gideon. Nope. Those are the Lorwyn five. That was the first time Planeswalkers got printed. And who's in the Gatewatch? It is Gideon, Nyssa, Chandra, Jace, and then Liliana afterwards. Now... Teferi's in there, and Johnny's in there, Ugin's in there. I swear, if they don't have uh, Jace's relation with Braska in this, I don't know. Well, we'll see. But I I can see why Groot or Garrick isn't in there. Well, he is a bounty hunter. Yeah, because he for won. He didn't he go crazy. Yeah, he's wrecking planeswalkers. Yeah, he's a bounty hunter now. Well, yeah, but didn't he's he get like bounty hunter? He's didn't he get cursed or something? But didn't Lily do something to him? Yeah, Lily. and that's why he's trying to kill everybody. Yeah, he's cursed, and he's been killing planeswalkers. Uh, if I'm not a not a lore buff, but 
Garuk at one point spared Jace's life because Jace was like his closest friend. Planes walked away. We missed him for a long time until he came back in Throne of Eldraine under Oko's grasp. God yep. damn it, Oko. Plugging up. No way. Uh, <laughs> he can't be killed. No, he can't. It's because he's vintage. His legacy he is vintage. Ooh, I see what you did there. <laughs> he was cursed by Liliana with the chain veil. And then he just wanted to start killing planeswalkers. And we don't know much about it from when he got cursed from Liliana on Innistrad to when he got taken over by Oko. Unless there is, and I'm just not paying attention to the whole lore series on Garuk. And from there, we're going to move to the biggest news topic probably of the week. There is, uh, according to magic.gg, we are now having the sun setting of the Planeswalker points. Posted today, quote, Adapting our technology to best serve a modern framework means some software and services must change. On May 27th, 2020, we will be sunsetting Planeswalker points and removing access to the Planeswalker points website. For players, Planeswalker points include login using your DCI number. will be available until May 27th. After that date, you will no longer acquire Planeswalker points and you will be unable to access Planeswalker point history information. As announced last year, buys earned through Planeswalker points will no longer be offered for Grand Prix events. For many players, this is going to feel like the end of an era. Comparing four-digit DCI numbers at events was something of a badge of honor, a way to show how long you've been a part of the community. We've been feeling a bit nostalgic over here as well, which is part of the reason we're giving you a 30 days to check into your history and rave about your winning records against your friends, or even that one time you beat Louis Scott Fargus at a Magic Fest side event. A little piece of magic history is going away, but the future is bright and more connected across platforms. Future in-store play and eSport events, as well as other play opportunities, will require players to have a valid Wizards account, which works with the Magic the Gathering companion app and the upcoming new event tool for local game stores. If you already play Magic the Gathering Arena, you, have, you already have a Wizards account. Some Magic eSport events include events such as Grand Prix at Magic Fests will continue to use your DCI throughout 2021. As Wizards of the Coast release new tools and platforms, we will continue to see this shift of Wizards accounts as a single account system. So if you do not already have a Wizards account, now is a fantastic time to sign up for one. But if you still have your DCI memorized, wear that as a badge of honor even after May 27th. Well, we can't say that we'd blame you. For stores, the future isn't just brighter and more connected for players. Stores are going to have an easier time managing events and their play community as well. Scheduling and managing in-store play tools are getting an upgrade to the Wizard event link. Players participating in WPN events will need a Wizards account, and a store will be able to add and manage players using Players Wizards account as well as apps such as the Magic the Gathering companion app. The future is going to gift us a better play experience between stores, players, and events around the world. While we can't yet gather together to play Magic, we're excited and looking forward to the day that we can. In the meantime, we'll continue to elevate the technology and services we use to support Magic events around the world, and maybe throw in a brag now and then about the four-digit DCI number. DCI will no longer be a thing at the end of May 27th, 2020. Though DCI numbers will still get used at Magic Fests if those do continue. Just if for 2021. Minneapolis. Yeah. Currently, Minneapolis is still a thing. We here got our fingers crossed to maybe make it to <laughs> Minneapolis, but I'm on a 75-25 split for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really holding out hope that they don't cancel it, but I bet you they will. Right. So, for those of you that have uh, Wizards account, as described by having a Magic Arena account, you'll be able to use that after May 27th as the only way to be able to participate in events through FNM, big events, or anything else to 
accrue whatever information that they're going to be. They didn't particularly describe what they're going to be doing. All they're saying is that DCI is no longer going to be a thing. You have till the 27th to just kind of like check it out and see what it is. I know that I'm not a big, uh, I have not competed in a lot of events using a DCI. Like it was just, I was pretty much just an FNM Crusader or whatever. I personally think this might be an okay thing to get everything brought together in this to use the MTG Companion app. Well, that's pretty neat. I mean, I know I'm excited from the things I've heard about the Companion app um, to start using that more. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about the Companion app at the moment. I plan to talk to somebody about that, and maybe we can give some more information in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, because I don't want to speculate and try to remember what I've skimmed over. I'd rather be accurate. Yes. And from there, we move to the finance section. Cha-ching! And in the finance section, we go off of MTG Stocks for all of our magic finance information. MTG Stocks is a great site that has nice little graphs of card prices, of all the card prices, showing their price curve, talk about their all-time high, what printings they have, and what those prices are at. Another thing with MTG Stocks, they have a weekly's they have a weekly winner article where they talk about three to four cards that have moved up in price significant enough to talk about. Also, at the end of that, they have the uh, cheap pickups where you can pick up three to four cards that have been showing a downward curve. First card to start us off on the weekly winners article from MTG Stocks, we have Uba Mask, which has seen a 500% increase, now chilling at $5.35. Before we continue any further, the weekly winners article on MTG Stocks is posted on Friday. We record on Monday. Prices may have changed, and we will let you know about that. And this is the one where the price has changed a little bit. It is dipped down to about 5 bucks currently, as of today. And it was just under $8 as of Monday the 20th. Looks like you can get it on Card Kingdom for two ninety nine. Let's read what the card does. Herba Mask is a four-colorless artifact. If a player would draw a card, that player removes the card from the game face up instead. Each player may play cards he or she removed from the game with Herba Mask this turn. And what has really made this like jump up in price is one of the new cards from Aquaria called Dranith Magistrate, which is a white 1-3 one, one human wizard creature. Your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hand. So you get these two pieces down, you pretty much lock your opponent from casting out spells. It's a cheaper memory pool to fairy kind of a thing. Where your opponent cannot do that. So it makes it super easy to just be plugging those two cards into any white X deck. Because control needed more frickin' tools. It this is white control. It's always had to. Well, you could put this in. I know, but like it needs more. Hey, you can't play magic shit. But this combo is white. Yeah, it, a lot of control is white seated. Yep. Whatever. I'm an agro player, so I don't. I, don't I mean, Teferi's white. Well, yeah, but he's also blue. Yeah. There's Blue is usually associated with yep. control, not white. Azorius control, Jeskai control. Esper control. Esper control. Though Esper control has not been making... No, not really. Not lately. It's kind of... Yeah. Blue-white has always been the thing in modern of uh, blue-white control. Yep. You're not splashing much of black or red at that point. No. But that's for a different podcast. <laughs> Here we are moving to the second weekly winner of... Garuda, Doom of Depths. So Doom all those depths. Cordially fuck their asses. <laughs> it has seen a a 500% increase, sitting at $10 and almost 50 cents. Garuda is a new companion that came out in Akoria Lair Behemoths. It is a hybrid blue-black, blue-black 4 for a legendary creature, Demon Kraken, with companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. 
When Garuda ETBs, each player puts the top four cards of their library into the graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among them onto the battlefield under your control. Garuda is a 6-6. And the, the interesting thing to point out here is you can also hit what your opponent milled and put on your side of the field too. Yes. It's not limited to just what you milled. Correct. So you get to go into your opponent's deck and stuff. And what's really making this move is not only just standard, but Pioneer has really been using this. And Legacy. Legacy, yep. This has been, they're even trying it in modern. It's, it's, Companion is hitting every single freaking format there is. That it is. Uh, so with how Garuda works, the combo in uh, in both formats, you ramp out to Garuda and try to flip a copy or flicker effect so you can do it again. Uh, so it's like ephemerate the Garuda and do it again and then as a way to just keep blinking it. Or they give the example of Spark Double. Spark Double is a card that came out in War of the Spark. That was blue three for a zero zero illusion creature. You may have Spark Double ETB as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control, except it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature. If it it enters with an additional loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker, and it is not legendary if that permit is legendary. That's the worst part of these decks is that you know they're trying to flip through, hit all their duplicate spells. But with Spark Double, it circumvents your legendary shit. So not only are you, you're, you're left with more than just one. So you could keep popping off, popping off, and you could end up with, you know, if everything goes the way you plan, you can have five Garuda yep. off of one turn, sitting on the board, just oppressive as hell. In Legacy, one of the cards that they also use is Dax Duplicant. Home of the host, but creature style. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's without the extra mana. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, have have you guys encountered this on Arena? Have you been playing much Arena lately? I am not high enough in the tiers to be dealing with those decks. I'm in silver tier. Because I actually had to play against a deck like this before I fully understood the whole... Companion? No, the whole point of Mm. this deck, like the whole, the combo-y aspect of it. And I'm like sitting here going... What the fuck's going on? Like, what is this person doing? Like, this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally kind of went through and everything clicked, I was like, "Oh, oh, that is really dumb." I play historic, so I guess I haven't really seen it. But I'm also probably not up there where the, these guys are at. So my thought is on this whole thing is a card of repudiate and replicate. If that's going to start showing up in any green blue style deck, because this is a split card that came out in Ravnica Allegiance, it's an instant counter target activated or triggered ability. In standard, it's going to slow down Garuda. In older formats, you have a lot of different cards, like you would have Stifle, you would have Trick Bind, you'd have Nibble Obstructionist as a way to counter the Garuda, like. Are those cards, like if Garuda starts to becoming a prominent deck in those formats, like are we going to be seeing these kind of cards start coming up? I mean, I don't think it's got the consistency to really stick around. I think this is going to end up just being a meme deck. Heard it here first, folks. The the other thing you can do in like modern, per se, because path isn't legal in Pioneer, but in modern you can just path it while it's on the stack. And even if they hit a spark double... They can't target it. And JB says it's going to be a meme deck. So if that's the case, if you got Garudas now, maybe you want to be looking at uh, offloading those pretty soon. I mean, because it's got potential. I just don't think that it's got enough for it to stick around in the high tier decks. It's also a high drop. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, you have to ramp, 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 ramp. Especially especially in blue and black, unless you're playing artifact ramp, not that hard in Legacy. No, I guess no, not. I mean, yeah, but I Legacy, mean, you can do it better, but I don't play a lot of Legacy right now. So, I mean, my main focus is Modern Pioneer. But yeah. In the typical lists and standard for this to be going out, they have 
uh, growth spiral. They have a place at a growth spiral spirals, which is the green blue. Uh, put a uh, draw a card, put a land into play. Another thing they got in here is the explosive vegetation with cycling of migration path. You search your library for two lands, put them on the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. I'm excited to see what where this deck is going to keep going. I mean, JB thinks it's going to be a meme deck. I probably am in the same boat as that as well. To the next card, then. <laughs> Onward. Yes, please. <laughs> the next card is another companion, Yoron Sky Nomad. It has seen a 200% increase, now sitting at 5 bucks. Yoron Sky Nomad is a white-blue hybrid white-blue for a 3 year it is a hybrid white-blue-white-blue white blue 3 for a 4-5 bird-serpent legendary creature, and it has companion. Your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. It has flying. When you're on ETBs, exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control. Return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. I'm excited for this card. This is this is one of the few companions that I think I might actually try and play around with. This is one of those ones where it's like the deck restriction is really not that bad. Mm-hmm. An extra 20 cards? There's so many ways to be cycling through your deck. Especially with the new cy- cycling getting reprinted into standard now. Well, I I honestly, I'm going to play with this in Soul Herder because I've been having such a hard time trying to keep it at 60 with all the cards I want to play in there, with it, with everything that can work and run with it having to shave and cut has really sucked and it's kind of hampered it a little bit. Right. And now having to bump it up to 80, I'll actually be able to play a bunch of that stuff. And I think I can make it work. Plus then getting your, you know, getting another blink effect that you can in turn blink with soul herder. And then blink the rest of your, because this is non-land permanence that you can blink. Yep. You can hit more than just creatures. So you blink this with the, um, soul herder trigger comes back in and you can blink a bunch of other shit right I was thinking of uh, Elspeth Conquers Death yep you can reset sagas you can reset planeswalkers yep some important planeswalkers to be resetting yep. right now are totally uh, Ashiok Dream Renderer yep I mean the only downside is when you blink your planeswalker it's coming in at end step so you don't get to activate it again but you're resetting it, so I yeah. mean, you're 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 getting more loyalty. You have a Narset down to one. You bring it back up to five. It's just going to make it harder to yeah. kill. Or your Ashiok. Mm-hmm. So that's been moving up in price. This is this is a more fun, fun card of a companion. I think. I think in your Soul Herder deck here too, JB, you'd totally be running three in the main board and having the one as the companion, mm-hmm. probably right. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know if I would go all in on four. I might do like two. At first, and see and see how that how I feel about that. You know, one main, one companion. But at least this way, I can um, hopefully put the agent of treachery back in. Ooh. I'll have more room. You know, I'll have twenty extra cards to slot in. Right. The only tricky part is going to be trying to readjust the land base for eighty cards versus sixty. You know, how much extra land I'm going to need, type of thing. Well, typically in a You'd always be uh, one of the things pro players were talking about for a style deck like this. You'd be going from 27 to 29 lands. And then that would be giving you roughly the same percentage of having 21 to 22 in your main. So I had about five. Roughly. Uh, I imagine more math will be coming out at another point about this, but that is what it's not bad. Because, I mean, my Soul Herder deck can dig pretty deep pretty quick. The Wall of Omen. Wall of Omens, uh, Watcher for Tomorrow. And then you have Charming Prince to yep. help scry through, so that way yep. you can dig into the so cards I mean, that I can dig for. pretty good, so... I mean, I could run less land even if I really wanted to. But that's running on a knife edge there. Gotta give it a test out. Yep. We have a fourth weekly winner, but before we continue to that, I just want to say... With these companion cards that we talked about, these are all pre-order prices right now for paper. Currently, the set has not been released in the uh, anywhere outside of the Asia-Pacific region. 
they're the one uh, they have their cards printed and shipped out to them. We are not getting it until May 15th is when paper releases for Americas, Europe, Australia. So these are all pre-order prices. And that's another thing uh, to discuss maybe at another point in another podcast on Facebook or Twitter. Follow us. See when we post our opinions and stuff. But because of that, like these cards are getting played online and we can see what they're going to do. Like people are thinking, is Wizards going to do like a preemptive band? And I only mention that because of our next card on the weekly winners. Lurus of the Dream Den. This guy has been making waves in every format. Mm-hmm. This is another one I'd want to play around with. Lurus of the Dream Den has jumped up 182%, now sitting at a pre-order price of $24.99. But as of today, still $24.99. Lurus <laughs> of the Dream Den is a hybrid white-black, white-black one, three-two legendary cat nightmare companion. Each permanent in your starting deck has a CMC two or less. It has lifelink and reads, during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. This thing people have been talking about in tandem with Mishra's Bobble as the best draw, uh, as a really good draw engine. Mishra's Bobble is a zero drop artifact that tap sack Mishra's Bobble. Look at the top card of target player's library. Draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So on turn three, you cast a Lurus, you bring back Bobble if you cast it in turn one or two or three, I guess, because it's still a zero drop spell to cast. And then from there, as long as Lurus stays out, you keep casting the Bobble back from your graveyard for free to be drawing a card at the next upkeep. It also works with engineered explosives. Yep. Yeah. I had to play against that and no. Just just no. So I, so with the companion ruling, it's not like Commander where your deck has to be those colors. It can just be what that deck as long as that card fits within your deck, it works, correct? As correct. long as it fo- yep, as long as it follows the companion text. The color identities don't matter. It's just as long as it follows what the specific companion restriction is. Yep. So with Luris, if every permanent in your deck is CMC two or less, you can have it in your sideboard as your companion and be able to cast it. With Euron, if you have your deck with 80 cards, you are able to have it in your sideboard as your companion. And Luris is the only one, I believe, that doesn't fit his own companion restriction. Every other one you can play more in the main board. Yes. Along with the companion. But with Luris, you can't. Ooh, was it? No, I thought there was one that it was you had to have three or higher. Onami. That is, you're, all all permits have to be three or higher. Oh, yeah. Karuga the Macro Sage. Yep. Yeah. He's, but he's also higher. He's higher than three. But, but I mean, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I suppose he doesn't. Yeah, it wouldn't fit in that restriction. But, anyways, what I was thinking was just this is just. Infinite lightning bolts. No, you cast permanent. Yep, well, permanent. So uh the thing with this is yep. in modern or legacy burn slash prowess, you're able to bring back your monastery swift spears, oh, your soul scar mage, or your Eidolon of the Great yep. Rebels. They're they're talking in um like leg with legacy storm, it's an extra two storm count. Mm-hmm. Basically for free. Just just yep. free include. So because you the, use it with Lion's Eye Diamond, and it's, yeah. a, it's a free two-storm count. So the Raptor that deals three damage, isn't he a three-drop, or is he a two-drop? Oh, Marauding Raptor? Is he a two-drop? I want to say he's two. I think he's one in a red. So right there's infinite. With what? So whenever a dinosaur enters with him on the tap, he deals three damage to that creature. No, it's whenever a creature enters, and if it's a dinosaur, then he gets buffed. But there's a way of flickering with that. 
There'll be there'll probably be some sort someone who will make an infinite combo with him. So he's the infinite. I don't think that'd be possible with Luris. Why not? Because you're only allowed to cast one per turn from your graveyard. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, mean, I mean that's your, suppose, your limitation yeah. there. I suppose. Makes I mean, sense. there is an infinite loop with with Marauding Raptor with Polyraptor, but mm-hmm. that's if you want a shit ton of Polyraptors. Who doesn't want a shit ton of anything? So, JB, with your comment saying that all the companions are able, aside from Luris, are able to play another copy of them, Umori, the collector does not if you why you can have all creatures but if you have all artifacts you're well yeah but see he has the ability though that's the thing he does but not in every so okay I'll (laughs) i'll give you that then as compared to everybody else like their build specifically calls for them to do it but umari can have a build where you don't have yeah. one in the main. Oh yeah. Yeah, he can have you can definitely run builds with him where he's only a companion, but he has that ability. See Luris doesn't have that option. He's just straight up it's you can't. If you run him as a companion, you can't have extras in your main board. Right. I'm wondering if Umori the Collector will have a really good enchantment build or an artifact build. Because you can have artifact see, creatures and artifact or uh, yeah, enchantment see, creatures. People have been talking more um, like hardened scales, um, rock style decks I, with him. I'd totally be down to see how that's going to turn out. And then you have like, yeah, you need enchantments in for hardened scales, so no arc light ravagers and stuff like that. But before we delve too much further into this, let's move to the cheap pickups. If you want to hear more about us discussing, first off, follow JB on his Facebook page, JB. Post more about your opinions, please. I'm trying. Got to be having those janky brews out there. I'm working on it. It's starting with quarantine now. I need something to pass the time. So maybe that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Follow JB. All right. So let's get into these cheap pickups here. So first off, we have Crick, son of Yogmoth, sitting at $6.42, record low and going down. This was out of the Commander 19 printing. So for four generic and three Phyrexian black mana, you get a 2-2 legendary creature, Horror Minion. He's got lifelink, and for each black in a cost, you may pay two life rather than pay that mana. So he essentially turns any black pip into Phyrexian mana. And whenever you cast a black spell, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Crick. Gotta love Phyrexian mana. This guy has definitely died down in hype since his spoiling of uh, when he when he first got spoiled because this card was chilling at like thirty bucks right off the bat, and then when he got printed, it was like twenty bucks, and now he just slowly moved down. So if you're looking for that mono black deck or black X deck that's looking to have a Kurik kind of effect, be on the lookout to be picking this up. So next up, we have our favorite. Wall of text, questing beast, sitting at eleven dollars and ninety nine cents, record low and somewhat stabilized. I'd read it, but there's a giant wall of text, and I think by now everybody knows what uh, questing beast does. It's good to know that a big beater like this is starting to move down in price. Uh, I know one of the big comparisons was colossal dreadmaw. <laughs> that's gotten reprinted about 500 times that's about due for another reprint this is compared to Carnage Tyrant as the green beater of the set that just does a lot so I'm curious to see if the flow of Carnage Tyrant is going to be what Questing Beast goes into one, one thing for sure is Questing Beast has not been showing up in a lot of builds recently um aside from the mono green stompy decks in Standard or Pioneer. Yeah, and for a while there, everybody was pretty much jamming them in where they could. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what, even even Fires of Invention decks would be running that, because they'd also, no, they would they have Cavalier of Thorns? If they have Cavalier of Thorns, they'd be running 
No, that's mm, I don't think they have. It's a reclamation deck. There Timber you reclamation go. Decks. Yeah. There we go. Fires and reclam. Fires and reclamation deck in my head are very close to each other of what they oh. do, like utilizing their mana in a very efficient manner. I mean, fires decks do run some cavaliers, but they mainly run the cavalier flames, right? That, and uh, gales, I think, per card draw. Yeah, that's where I was getting confused. All right, so last one up, we have Leovold, emissary of trust, sitting at five dollars and eighteen cents, record low and going down. So for Saltai, you get a legendary creature, 3-3, Elf Advisor. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Whenever you or a permanent you control become the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. I can see why he's going down. Yeah, for all you Legacy and Vintage players that are having Saltai prison-style decks that are looking for this, get ready to pick them up. I guess. Oh, man, this is one of those things. I am not well-versed in Vintage or Legacy, and I definitely need to start getting in there. And that wraps up the cheap pickups. With any of those cheap pickups that you see, if you want them to be getting a little lower in price before you pick them up, what I would recommend to do is go to tcgsniper.com. And TCG Sniper is an amazing site to help you find cards that you want that are moving down in price and pick them up at the price point that you want to buy them at. And how this works is when you go to tcgsniper.com, you enter in a link from TCG Player of the card that you want, set a limit of what that card will be in price, and you'll get a notification from TCG Sniper when that card hits that price, typically a lower price. So for instance, of this Of this questing beast, if you're looking for it, for it to go down from eleven ninety nine to maybe like eight bucks, you enter in eight dollars when you post in the link from TCG Player, and then you will get a text, an email, a Discord notification when that card meets that price, and then you click the link, go to TCG Player, and make that purchase, and start buying cards on the cheap. And that finishes up our finance section, and from there we move to the bread pudding. Ah, Danny, told you I would remember it. Remember what? Bread pudding, our deck of the week. And from there, as foreshadowed earlier. Uh, now I remember. Since Matt doesn't want to finish this comment, the deck of the week this week is my personal historic deck on MTG Arena. I am actually trying to make, I'm not trying to, I am making this into a paper deck that I'll be running in Modern. Um, we are running, or I am running, four Healer Hawks. Healer Hawks, a one-drop, white, flying lifelink, 1-1. One, one. I'm running four Leon Vanguards, another one-drop. It's also another 1-1, one, one, but the beginning of the combat, on your turn, if you control three or more creatures, Leon Vanguard gets 1-1 one, one until end of turn, and you gain one life. Another one-drop is Sierra Ascendant. Has a lifelink. As long as you control, as long as you have 30 or more life, Serena Ascendant gets 5-5 five, five and has flying. It's a 1-1. One, one. It's a human monk. And the last one drop is good old Soul Worn. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you gain one life. It's also a 1-1. One, one, human Cleric. All this lifelink comes into play with the good old Ajani's Pride Mate. It's a 1. 1 white, 1. Cat Soldier, whenever you gain life, put a 1-1 counter on Azani's Pride Mate. Moving along, a um, couple of three, uh, two, three drops. I have Linden, the Steadfast Queen. Her ability is one of a white creature you control attacks. You gain one life. Again, going on to the Pride Mate. Uh, and the last creature that I have is going to be a Resplendent Angel. Two white, one colorless. Flying at the beginning of your end step, if you can gain five or more life this turn, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. With the ability of tap three green, uh, three white and three until in turn, Splendid Angel gets 2-2 two, two and gains lifelink. And to add on to this life game, I'm running four Johnny's Welcome, so that's another one where another creature is battlefield under my control, I gain life. I'm running three Dactus, Bless the Sun. 
another ability of gaining life whenever a creature enters the battlefield under my control. I'm running just three vanishing lights. It's just an enchantment to remove unwanted permits on the opponent's battlefield. I'm running four Heliod Sun Crown again for the lifelink and then making creatures even bigger that are already big. Uh, for land, I'm running 17 basic lands, uh, planes, and then running three castle Ardenvales. Right. The reason I'm running this is for this ability of its cost ability of two and two white, tap it, create a one one human white soldier or white human creature. And last but not least, just for end game kill when a Johnny Pride mate's at 50 and can't have trample, I'm running two shadow spears to one drop legendary artifact equipment. Equip creature gets plus one plus one, has trample and lifelink. Tap one permits your opponent's control, lose hexproof and indestructible until the end of the turn, and takes two to equip this cost or this creature artifact. This deck runs $171 as it sits right now. That's not bad because uh, for moving that from uh, arena historic to modern is very easy to do. Yep, no changes other than a sideboard. Because I, I, I really only play Historic with the best of one. Because the best of threes just get way too long. And then me and sideboarding, I just, I'd rather just have my 60 cards and that's the 60 cards I run with. Right, right. If, if you can beat my deck, have fun. If not, good game. But it's, it's a pretty, pretty fun deck. Um, pretty f- straightforward. Play your cards. Hold on to the de- uh, black, banishing lights. If it, really, the only the only thing this deck really has problems with is the fairies, because or the red planeswalker that creates planeswalkers and uh, four four dragons. Oh, Sarkin. There we yeah. go. That's another that's another deck that I've had troubles with. But imagine anybody that would also be running a tilt Tibble the fiend blooded. Mm-hmm. Is the fiend blooded, or is that the? No, I think first. that's the original one, yeah, isn't it? The original. Yeah. Uh, the new one, the new yeah. Tibble, where War the Spark Tibble, yeah, that yep. stops you from gaining life. That would probably wreck this deck. But hopefully, at that point, you have a big enough Pride Mate to be putting pressure onto that Tibble. Yeah, well, I don't know because I think Tibble can come down what turn three. Yeah, three and it comes. Well, Banishing Light also comes turn three, so we do have that that gets rid of it. But with with modern. With my sideboard, I'm going to be obviously running into more of those or having those Planeswalker Destruction cards in my sideboard if I need it. Why don't you go over your sideboard so we know what's in said sideboard? Because I don't have a sideboard for it. That's a maybe board. But yeah, those are all sideboards. Maybe sideboards. Because that's my sideboard in Historic because that's all that there is. So Path of Exile is not on there because it's not arena legal. Should be. Should be, but it's not. And there's other ones that I can remove. But yeah, that's my dick of the week. Dick of the week. Very aggressive white life gain deck. Yes. I'm an aggro player. What do you expect from me? Right. I'm a modern red baron player. It's a deck you don't have to think. You just play. So if so if you want to get into modern and you're not looking at the five hundred dollar price range and want something simple, put this together and just have fun. Or just play boggles. But how much was that deck? Cheap. <laughs> the one thing that makes modern really hard to get into is the lands. That is true. Fetch yep. lands, the yep. canopy lands, canopy lands, the shock lands. Yeah. But you don't have to be going that way. Like you can have buddy lands with the bicycle lands. Check lands. Check lands as well. Well, those are the buddy lands. I call them check lands, damn it. Okay, because that's what they are. Oh, they're they're buddy lands. I thought that was the two basics. The two basics? Yeah, the ones that you need two basics for to come untapped. Isn't that the buddy lands? Because it needs buddies. Two or less. Well, no, those the, are the fast lands. Those are the fast lands? Two or more basics those is, are the buddies. should be the buddy lands. Those are the buddies. So the check lands are things like Drowned Catacomb, Glacial yep. Fortress. Uh-huh. Because it checks to see if it has a certain land. Okay, guys. Let's Castles that way, but that's only up planes. Yep. 
you're right. Those are check lands. According to Scryfall, when you type in is check land, the check lands are the Clifftop Retreat, Drowned Catacombs, Glacial Fortresses that are looking if you have a plane or if you have a basic land of the type that it can also Boom. Use. So let's look and see what it says about Buddy There lands. you go. Yeah, type in Buddy Land because I want to know what a Buddy Land is. And what is, what's the bicycle land? Is that the two cycling? Yeah, that's the Almond okay. Cat one. There is no Buddy Land. You know we're getting tricycle lands. Yeah. I'm excited for those, honestly. Anyways, that's Deck of the Week. Do we have anything else to be saying, guys? Just don't go out there and doom too many depths, people. Please be responsible. Do not cordially invite people to fuck your ass. If they do, they need to bring Senecas. <laughs> Tis the price of admission. Be safe. Use protection. Have fun. Life is short. Yes. Follow us. Subscribe. All that stuff. And from there, because it's going to happen again, hit that outro. So make sure to follow us on all of the social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, and then if you have questions, comments, concerns, send us a Gmail at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. We have podcasts coming up every Tuesday on the Tuesday at, what, 5 a.m.? I have this going at 6 a.m. now. Well, fine. 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Listen to it while you're eating breakfast on the way to work. Come on. Or going to bed, depending on your work schedule. No, 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 not when we're going. Not when they're going to bed, because then we yeah, could be the la- we could be the last voice that they hear before they go restfully to sleep, or we put them to sleep because we're boring. Yeah, we don't one want of the that. way. Either way, they'll be dreaming of us. Oh, we're inserting ourselves into your dreams. Make them want to play magic. Learning by osmosis. Exactly. Follow us. Mm-hmm.